Childhood trauma and the wounded inner child is actually one of the most common patterns of emotional pain that can be traced back to ancestral karmic patterns that seriously can only be disrupted when healed at the deepest level of our being, the nervous system, the brain, and our DNA. But it is so difficult not only to disrupt these ancestral karmic patterns, it's also very, very difficult to understand logically with the mind what the inner child wounds cause us to become as adults. In fact, whenever we are wounded as a child, as an adult, not only do we play out those wounds, but we actually really learn to project a part of ourselves that seeks out this justice, which is really masked as rage. So today in the Sovereign Women Room podcast, we're gonna go deeper into understanding what the wounded inner child pattern is as it relates to on ancestral karmic patterns. And we'll also look at what the solution is to not only heal ourselves, our wounded inner child, but also to disrupt this pattern of childhood abuse and trauma for seven generations before and seven generations after. Satnam, 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 and welcome beautiful, beautiful sovereign woman, Satnam. I know that what we are talking about this week can be very heavy and it can weigh heavily on our hearts, but precisely because we don't talk about these things is why these patterns keep repeating, which is why it's so important for me to bring this up to our awareness because we're not just talking about one of the most common, common, common karmic patterns in our ancestral lineage, but we're also talking about the solution of how it is that we can disrupt this pattern at the level of DNA so that no other child in our lineage ever has to go through any kind of trauma. So before we get started, I wanna talk a little bit more about what the inner child is, what the wounded inner child is, what the role is in our lives, how it shows up so you can turn, start to become more aware if this is something that you yourself are moving through. And then we'll talk about the solutions. We'll look at exactly how we get to the root cause of healing this aspect of ourselves that needs deep, deep healing. In fact, yesterday as I was talking about astrology and the war that is playing itself out and wars that play themselves out throughout the world, they are a true representation of the lack of healing of this aspect of ourselves, which is the wounded inner child. And I'll show you how. So to understand this, you really have to understand this child within you. Our inner child represents this innocent part of ourselves, right? This off-filled, curious part of our psyche. When it is healthy, as an inner child should always be, because as you start to age, you actually start to come back into becoming a child more and more, some of us. But if you are unconscious and if you lived a very unconscious life, as you start to get older, you start to become a very unconscious child as well. So what this is, is what this represents is vitality. A, a healthy inner child has inspiration, has joy, is curious. It doesn't matter how old you are. However, when these inner children of ours are wounded due to past trauma and we disconnect from our inner self, basically we numb ourselves, we create two realities because we don't feel safe in the world or in our bodies. We find ourselves feeling pretty tired, empty, numb, and disconnected from life itself. One of the first people that started to talk about the wounded inner child was psychologist Carl Jung, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. 
And what he started to discover was this aspect of himself that basically had not become integrated, like I shared yesterday. It could have been a moment of trauma that shifted his entire life, or for many of us, it's a, a series of events that caused us to learn that caused us to learn how to abandon ourselves, how to run away from ourselves, how to find approval from an outside world because we didn't feel like we were enough. One of the things that Carl Jung believed was that there's this inner aspect of ourselves that profoundly influences our decisions and behaviors as adults. Our inner children are the basically remnants of our childhood selves. They hold on to memories and emotions, both positive, but also negative. And all of this especially makes a bigger impact on our lives if you experience these experiences during the very vital years of the age of zero to seven, which is when our uh, brains are developing, our egos are developing, and we are fully relying on our caregivers, our mothers, our fathers, or if they were not around, whoever was supposed to be taking care of us during that moment in time and space. Now, tragically, our inner children often bear these scars of negative and very hurtful words and actions from those that were meant to protect us. And again, I don't think anyone consciously hurts a child. Your mother could have been going through depression herself. She could have been going through grief. She could have been experiencing a tragedy. She could have been in a very abusive relationship. Same thing with your father. Maybe they came from a home where they were never given any love. They don't even know how to say, I love you. They don't know how to hug. They don't know how to show love. So it's not excusing them at all. I'm not giving them as excuse because, you know, we talked about this a lot in forgiveness. What I'm, why I'm saying this is because what we need to become aware of is their actions as parents are not reflective of our personal self-worth. They're not reflective of your worth. They're reflective of how unconscious their inner child was as well. So for example, even with words, the wounds inflicted by words can be very, very, very serious. And they can go deep um, as it relates to, you know, every other type of abuse. Harmful words can lead to long lasting scars. And some of these behaviors that show up later as these scars are suppressed, uh, suppressing your, your own opinions in life, not having a voice, discouraging you to have fun and play when we're told as from parents to not have fun and play that's that's our innate innate uh nature like children it's so sad that children go to school and then there's a teacher that doesn't have patience and believes that a five-year-old or a six-year-old should sit in a chair all day and not move while the child only wants to play you know that the more rambunctious the more active children are the brightest and the smartest and the most intelligent and they're not going to be able to sit still so imagine you being told at five or six or seven you need to sit down you need to not have fun you need to be quiet those are all things that damage us in fact in the 80s and, and even in the 70s there was this major doctor who was giving out a lot of parenting advice and the parenting advice consisted of telling parents that if their child cried, like in as a baby in the crib, to not give the child attention because then you were going to teach the child how to be stuck and addicted to your uh, holding them. When a child is crying, whether it's a baby or a seven-year-old, they need your love and attention. And you're not going to get them addicted. There's a reason why they are emotionally distraught. So if this doctor went around in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, 
teaching parents how to be parents and telling them not to give their child attention. Can you imagine what the child must have felt when it relied on the caregiver to give them the love? It's crazy. So there are other uh, ways that verbally, you know, we're, we don't realize that as parents, we're, we're hurting our children, withholding affection because we're going to, uh, we're going through our own depression, continuously shaming the child for not being good, restricting the child for being bad, you know, parenting is very, very, very tricky, but never does it call for any type of neglect or abandonment. A deprived child of emotional uh, uh, support is going to grow up to be a wounded adult struggling to find inner peace. And when you talk about other types of neglect, like, for example, physical neglect that encompasses deprivation of like food, basic human necessities, safety, or even beyond that, I'm talking about shelter or even abuse like sexual abuse, which is one of the most common patterns that is passed down through the ancestral lineage that is not disrupted because it just gets tucked under the rug and children when they go through something like that they don't know what's happening they don't many times it's an aunt and an adult they become adults that they're they put two and two together or older when they're like oh that was something that was horrible and that's what was making me feel like that or if they're being groomed to not speak up or maybe they do speak up finally and then they're not supported by their family they're told that they're liars or that nobody wants to do anything about it. So you can imagine what that does to a child with physical abuse, hitting a child. We're talking about an adult with low self-esteem. We're talking about eating disorders. We're talking about addictions. We're talking about self-harm, suicide. We're talking about violent behavior. We're talking about sexual dysfunction. All of these people that I mentioned, you would think, why don't they just change? Well, why don't we look at the pain? Why have we not addressed the pain? And when we think about emotional neglect, we can also think about how caregivers neglected our emotional needs, right? They didn't give us the love and support. They didn't give us the validation. They didn't give us ways to feel worthy. And they instead forced us to repress our emotions. Don't cry, you know? Stop crying or I'm gonna hit you harder. There's depression, anxiety and a fear of emotional intimacy that starts to develop. And like with physical abuse, the symptoms of emotional abuse and spiritual abuse and neglect, they are very, very sticky as it relates to your adult life. Low self-worth, repressing and numbing your emotions, ignoring your own emotional needs, people-pleaser, depression, anxiety, and of course, stunning emotional closeness or even being able to be intimate with anybody in your life. At one point, we're definitely going to spend a whole week looking at addiction and also toxic relationship patterns, which all stem from this hurt inner wounded child. If you deal with the pattern of the inner child wounding, all of the rest will fix itself, including depression, addiction, and the toxic relationship patterns, which are the four most common ancestral karmic patterns that I help women disrupt. So the reason that we as adults don't necessarily overcome these childhood traumas are because they're not acknowledged and because unconsciously what is happening within the child is that the child is actually as an adult seeking revenge or what I would call justice now you might say I was betrayed I was abused I was um, emotionally abused 
and I'm not here seeking justice. I just stopped talking to that person. I just don't go around those people. And I just basically ignore what happened to me. That is basically still seeking justice. And why that is seeking justice is because seeking justice becomes a form of rage, of deep, deep anger that festers within us, especially as children, because precisely we were not seen, because precisely we were not protected from the people that were supposed to protect us. So within us, there becomes this frustration that uh, turns into rage and anger, which as an adult, even you don't even know you're doing this, but unconsciously that rage, what it is relating to or equating to is you seeking some kind of justice. And the problem with that is that it will never work. Not only will it never work because we in this world do not understand justice, but what happens per se if you're Judas, the person that caused you a lot of pain and anger is dead? What if they're not physically here? What if you can't put them in jail? What if you can't physically talk to them and express to them what you felt? What happens then? I heard a very sad statement the other day from an actress, which, you know, actresses and celebrities as they are, there's a whole shadiness around that. But uh, Drew Barrymore was talking about how she had a horrific childhood and, and I understand her and I have a lot of compassion for her. But she said that the only time she was going to have peace was when her mother finally died. If she only knew that not doing the forgiveness work, especially when her mother is alive and that when she died, was only going to torment her and make it everything even worse that she would not be saying those words. And I can guarantee you of this because even if our Judas are the person who attacked us, the person who hurt us as children dies, that will not be enough for you to find inner peace. That will not be enough for you to finally be liberated from whatever occurred to you as a child. And there's a few reasons for that. Brain needs rewiring, nervous system needs rewiring. And more importantly, your unconscious need as a child to seek justice needs to be rewired. Now, I want to take a moment to first look at justice so you understand what it truly is, because you do deserve justice. As a child that has been wounded, God is ready to bestow justice upon your life if you truly understand what it is, which is what happened in my life and in the clients and the women that I work with as clients to help them disrupt these very karmic patterns. So to understand this, let's first understand what justice is. So the root meaning of what justice is, like if you looked it up in a dictionary, is a principle of fairness, which says that everyone should receive only what they deserve. This must be assessed based on an impartial account of how well they have conformed to the law. So for example, there's a murderer, and then the murderer goes to jury, and then the jury and the judge decide how much time they're supposed to get. That's the root meaning. That's what most of us understand justice to be. In a conventional setting, justice is a principle that separates from love, which punishes sinners for their crimes, taking vengeance on them, a process of deciding who is the guilty one and taking from him to give back to the innocent. So that is the conventional meaning of what justice is. Now, as a Course in Miracles student and teacher, I've been studying the course since 2008, and I've been teaching it now for five years, weekly, on a weekly class for women 
as well as daily, as I practice it myself every single day. It is spiritual psychotherapy on steroids and the foundation of it all is forgiveness. It is the combination that I use with Kundalini Yoga therapy to disrupt these deeply engraved ancestral karmic patterns. And to understand, when I finally understood what justice was, I started to understand how much justice I was receiving in my life because I chose to do the healing work instead of unconsciously wanting to seek out justice and revenge for those people that I thought had hurt me. So as it relates to A Course in Miracles, A Course in Miracles understands justice to be completely different. Justice is a principle which gives love, yep, love and forgiveness to everyone with complete impartiality and without limit, which gives no punishment and asks no penalty. This is true fairness because no one has broken God's laws. Everyone is still the daughter of God, still is innocent. Thus, the miracle is everyone just do for miracles. There is no difficulty of miracles because there is no difficulty of forgiveness. The world's justice is injustice. It is simply a justification for attack and all attack is unjust. It also makes us believe that God's love is separate from his justice, which makes him seem fearful. Now, let me just dissect that so we truly understand what this means. So you're going to say to me, so you're telling me that if there's a pedophile that abuses a child, that that person deserves love and forgiveness. And I know that can be very, very triggering. And I know that can be very, very upsetting. But if we look at our system in jail, our jail system, first of all, our jail system is a is a for-profit business. It's not even, it's not, it's owned privately. You can invest in a jail. You can buy it and create your own jail. Why? Because it's a business. When we think about the people with the highest addictions, with the highest crime rates, with the highest, whatever it is that they're doing against the law, they're easily equated to a very hurt inner child. And this is precisely what the problem is with the world right now. What is happening with the world, with the war right now in Israel and Palestine? An eye for an eye. You did this to me, I'm going to do this to you. I mean, think about it. The Jews were persecuted. They were, they, were, they were part of the most horrific Holocaust. And they went through it now. But then now they are the oppressor. Their wounded inner child is now going after innocent people. If we instead looked at murderers, looked at pedophiles, looked at all of these people that broke the law, and instead of throwing them into a jail, if we instead got them help, if we instead offered them therapy, offered them ways to heal themselves, I can assure you that the pattern would be disrupted right there and it wouldn't continue any longer. So in the long run, we would be saving more children. We would be saving more adults. We would be saving more lives because we finally responded with help for that individual. Now, if you think about also justice, when you when the course says that there's no difficulty in forgiveness, there's no difficulty in miracles because there's no difficulty in forgiveness. When somebody has passed away and you cannot no longer hold them in justice in this real world for what they do, you not forgiving them, you not offering the miracle of the fact that sin is not real, is like you living by drinking venom every single day. So this individual is gone, long gone. And here we are still drinking the venom, 
which literally, like I explained last week in our forgiveness podcast, when we do not forgive, our glandular system starts to secrete really bad chemicals into our body. Our nervous system starts to become wreck havoc on our lives. Our brain starts to wreak havoc in our lives. So think about it. Would you rather instead accept healing for yourselves and liberate yourselves from the attachments of the story of trauma? Or would you rather continue to try to seek justice and make things right? In fact, there's a line of the course that says, would you rather be right or would you rather be at peace? And this does not by any means mean to deny something that happened, to allow it to continue to happen. Not at all. God says to Arjuna, go into battle, right? And, and, and stand for truth and righteousness, right? Defeat and dispel the darkness in others. That is not what God is saying. But what a God is saying is that if you truly want to disrupt the pattern, you have to be like our brother, Jesus Christ, and know that what they did is not personal. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with their unconscious, wounded inner child. And that like Jesus Christ, we can be on that cross and say, truly forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Why? Because I know who I am. Jesus Christ knew who he was. He knew he was in a body. He did not suffer on the cross. You see, for us to understand true justice, two things have to happen. First, we have to change our perception of what or who we think God is. For many of us, especially through religious programming, we think God is some angry God that sits on a throne that judges us good and bad. Look at life. Look at the humanity. What I was just talking about yesterday's podcast episode, which you can go check out here on the YouTube channel. Like people literally believe that God is telling them to go kill innocent people. That is not God. We have a perception of a God that only loves his obedient people, only loves those that believe in Jesus Christ, only love those that believe in Buddha. Only God only loves you if you believe in Muhammad. Like it has to be one way or God doesn't love you. When there are so many sections of the Bible, if you look at the real true teachings of Jesus Christ, which there's a there's something known as Q that refers to the true teachings of the Bible of Christ, of Jesus Christ, which are Matthew and Luke put together. When you start to read everything that Jesus Christ came to teach us about God, it has nothing to do with an angry God, a judgmental God. It has nothing to do with a God that doesn't love you because you're the black sheep. In fact, there's a section of the Bible that says God loves the black sheep even more. God watches over the dark, the ones that carry a lot of darkness in their heart. God doesn't reject you because you murdered someone. God doesn't, re and this is not to say go murder someone because God's going to forgive you anyways. No, you're going to have to live with that, right? But God forgives as long as you are ready to actually ask for the forgiveness and repent. Now, again, this doesn't give an excuse to keep doing it, but what this does for us is it liberates us from seeking justice because ultimately when we shift our perception of what God is, because we've done the forgiveness work that I talked about last week, we understand that God is a loving father that takes care of us or a loving mother, however you want to see her or him, that takes care of you, that is there for you to support you, to help you heal, that is there for you when you bring him or her, your unconsciousness, then we start to open up our hearts to realizing what justice truly is, which is what started happening to me. When I started to forgive and I started to do this work of forgiveness, because like I said, I've been a student of A Course in Miracles since 2008 and teaching it. When I started to teach it, that's when things got really on steroids. And I really came fully home with these teachings. And 
when I started to do the real deep work of forgiveness, along with my Kundalini yoga, which healed the, meta, um, the brain and the nervous system, I started to receive major justice in my life because justice is you having inner peace and God bestowing upon you your kingdom, just the way God did that to Goliath or David, I'm sorry, who defeated Goliath, just the way God did that for King Solomon, just the way God did that for Jesus Christ. When you forgive, you allow the temple to become a temple for the Christ consciousness. So what happens is because God says, you have learned the lesson. That's why you incarnated in this world to learn the lessons of forgiveness and ultimate love. And when you do that, I bestow upon you the kingdom. Justice, you know why they say that your sweetest revenge or your sweetest justice is success? Because justice is you being able to live in inner peace, you being able to fall asleep without having to take pills or drink a lot of alcohol. Justice for me is my kingdom, which is me healing myself from addictions to alcohol healing my relationship with God, with my husband, with my mom, with all those around me, prosperity, wealth, finding my uh, true life purpose, fulfillment, healing for uh, my children. That is justice. That success is the sweetest justice. And it's not to rub someone in their face. It's so that you understand that God is giving this to you because you actually learned the lesson of this incarnation, which was to forgive. There's a young girl who I recently found out about because I was reading an article about uh, the top like 50 influencers of the, of, of, in the world right now and, and just how they created these mass businesses around what they're doing. And, one, and, and most of them are, it's so silly, the things that they share. I mean, there are things that definitely I don't connect with, but it just also shows a lot of like the level of consciousness of humanity and what they're into right now, which is kind of trippy. But one of them really caught my attention. And her name is uh, Bella Porsche. I think it's her last name is P-O-A-R-C-H. I don't know if any of you know who she is. She's, she actually has a, a video on TikTok with the most likes. And the reason I'm bringing her up is not that I'm a fan or I follow her or anything like that, but what really intrigued me was her story. She was sharing her story about how she grew up, she, she was born in Korea, I believe, and then she was given up for adoption and she was basically abused her entire life as a child until she was able to leave her house from adoptive parents and actually then join the Navy. So, I mean, they called her a bee, throughout the world they treated her like a slave there was no love nothing at all no compassion at all and then she grows up and then she goes viral and now she's built like a multi-million dollar business from her business and and she talks about her parents now they interview her and and then they talk to her about like how does she feel how was it growing up and you know what this girl does not say anything negative about her parents I mean she says the stories of what happened to her but she she's just kind of like yeah, this is what used to happen to me, but I knew that there was something deeper inside of me. I knew that there was something bigger inside me, so I went after it. And she does come off as like a, like a kind of like a sweet little cartoon. But what I was just so, you know, just completely in awe was that she went through so much childhood trauma, so much pain, so much literally told every day that she was not good enough, that she was not worthy, that she was a horrible human being. And she grows up and her justice became her success. Her justice is now the fact that she's incredibly happy, fulfilled. Maybe she has her moments still. I don't know. 
and I don't know a lot about her. I'm just using the overview of what I've seen. But her justice is her living out her dharmic purpose. She, she it, to me, she doesn't spend any time in trying to make those that did her wrong come into justice. She has her whole life ahead of her. She has a dharmic purpose. She's doing what she loves to do. That is justice. But sadly, because our brains are not wired, our nervous systems are fried. We don't do the inner work of spiritual healing. We unconsciously throughout our day with our negativity, with our bad attitude, with self-sabotaging mechanisms, with our anger, with our rage, we use our emotions for destruction instead of creation because we believe that there is a God that was there to punish us. And we believe that we deserve what happened to us unconsciously. And now we want someone to make it right. And the only way to actually change the structure of these beliefs is by getting to the root cause, which is your DNA, your brain, your nervous system. That is the only way to disrupt ancestral karmic patterns, which is why antidepressants, pharmaceuticals have such a low success rate. Because if we don't deal with the patterns that have been engraved in you in the nervous system, since you were in your mother's womb and in your ancestral karmic patterns that go back to the DNA, these childhood patterns of neglect, of abandonment, of sexual abuse, of physical abuse are inevitably going to repeat themselves. In fact, that is what keeps the pattern repeating itself. So what we have to really understand is we have to learn to choose healing over justice. It takes a moment of awareness for you to say, you know what? I've lived under so much rage and under so much anger. I lived and keeping quiet about all these things that have always hurt me since a child. Now, my only way out is to heal myself. My only way out to liberate is to truly do the work to change these patterns at the level of the DNA, to change my perception of what God is, and to understand that justice is bestowed upon me as success in whatever that form looks like for me once I learn to forgive, once I accept myself fully and learn to accept whatever it is that has occurred. So to achieve this, we engage in the forgiveness work. Of course, in Miracle Spiritual Psychotherapy on Theroids, we embrace these principles and we repeat them japchi over and over again until we can do that and we also again integrate the work of kundalini yoga therapy to help rewire the nervous system brain and also to bring us into the state of equanimity where we can actually go beyond perception to wisdom acceptance so the wounded inner child's quest for justice can be found when it finds its true fulfillment in the path of healing forgiveness and self-awareness and by embracing these transformative practices, we disrupt these patterns of childhood trauma that lead to her inner wounded child at the level of the DNA. Now, tomorrow in our Kundalini Yoga Wednesday podcast episode, I'm gonna help you further understand and share with you a specific technique that's gonna help you disrupt the inner child wounds at the level of the DNA, the level of the nervous system, at the level of the brain. If you need to catch up on yesterday's podcast episode, please go check it out here before so you can understand a little bit more about the inner child wounding and how we disrupt these patterns. And thank you so, so much for joining me live every um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your likes. Remember to set your notification settings here by clicking on that little bell so that you will be notified every time I do go. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to put them below here on the YouTube channel. I'd love to answer them particularly to your specific situation. I'll see you tomorrow.